Hey, if you need new sunglasses, if you would like to get new sunglasses, know that Shady Rays, for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, is offering a fantastic deal. 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses at ShadyRays.com. Go to ShadyRays.com and use this promo code Al Galdi. Shady Rays sunglasses, they are the best. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. Go to ShadyRays.com and use that code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Yeah, 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you don't love them, you can exchange them for sunglasses that you do love, or you can return your sunglasses for a full refund within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Shady Rays always has your back. Go to ShadyRays.com and use that code Al Galdi for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Away we go. Episode 569 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, May 10th, 2023, the day after it was revealed that legendary actor Robert De Niro has fathered a seventh child. Robert De Niro now is 79. He had had six children via previous relationships. He now has seven children. It was not clear publicly anyway uh, who the mother of this seventh child is. Hey, who needs a stable family, all right? Who needs a nuclear family when you're the child of Robert De Niro, all right? The guy has made one all-time great movie after another. He's filthy rich. He's 79, okay, 79, and still fathering children. Respect to Robert De Niro. He's already perhaps the goat of actors Perhaps he is the goat of procreation as well. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Uh, What was, as of early Wednesday morning, the number 40 podcast in the country on Apple Podcasts in the U.S. football category. That is a credit to you. So thank you very much uh, for listening and downloading and subscribing. Well, Uh, I'm not planning on still fathering kids at 79, but I am planning on a nice solid show for you uh, for this Wednesday. Coming up next segment, we're going to chat with the longtime radio voice of Kentucky football and also Kentucky basketball, Tom Leach, who's going to tell us all about the man who the commanders took in the sixth round of the 2023 NFL Draft, Kentucky running back. Chris Rodriguez Jr. Uh, The Commanders per Commanders Insider, Nikki Javala of the Washington Post via a tweet on April 29th, had a third round grade on Rodriguez. They got him in the sixth round. Uh, He has had some off the field trouble, but he was a really productive back for Kentucky. And his style is undeniable. A physical punishing between the tackles runner. He is a bruiser. He is a mauler. 
Commanders head coach Rod Rivera in his post-draft press conference on April 29th said that assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy is very high on Chris Rodriguez Jr. Could it be, might it be, that the team got itself a steal in Chris Rodriguez, in C-Rod in the sixth round? Uh, we next segment are going to find out a lot more about Chris Rodriguez Jr. Uh, by the way, the NBA team that is owned by our incoming commander's owner, Josh Harris, uh, that team now is a win away from making the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, a 115-103 win at the Boston Celtics on Tuesday night to take a 3-2 lead in that second-round series in the NBA playoffs. Although the NHL team that Josh Harris owns did lose on Tuesday night. Uh, the New Jersey Devils, a 6-1 home loss, a drubbing of a loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. So the Devils now trail in that second-round series in the Stanley Cup playoffs. 3-1. You know, knowing how much Rod Rivera talks about his time as Carolina Panthers head coach, do you think that Ron is secretly rooting for the Hurricanes to beat Josh Harris's Devils? Like, do you think that Ron's love for Carolina, perhaps combined with him perhaps already being sick of hearing about his job being on the line with Harris buying the Commanders, is like going crazy during these Devils-Hurricanes games, rooting hard for the Canes. I don't know. I wonder about that. Uh, But also on the show, uh, I will talk Nationals. Uh, They late night on Tuesday night lost. Uh, at the San Francisco Giants 4-1. Uh, the Nats had 10 hits, but only scored one run. Uh, went 1-12 for 12 with runners in scoring position. And I will discuss the Orioles. A good win for the O's on Tuesday evening. A 4-2 win over the major league-leading Tampa Bay Rays at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, at which there were dozens in attendance. Uh, but good stuff from the Orioles' young and oh-so-promising battery in this game. Catcher Adley Rutschman and starting pitcher Grayson Rodriguez. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I got this tweet from Eric regarding my conversation with former Redskins general manager Scott McLuhan on Monday show, episode 567. Uh, Scott was really good talking commanders, including quarterback Sam Howell and the team's 2023 draft. Writes Eric, what a smile on my face when Scott said, no bull bleep, and you didn't bleep it. (laughs) Love hearing a curse word on the pod. Uh, Thank you for the tweet, Eric. Yeah, we normally do have a no cursing policy on this podcast. When I started this podcast in February 2021, there were two big discussion items about the show. One was the intro music, which it turns out is so bad, it's good. (laughs) The other discussion item was whether I should curse on the show. Uh, The consensus answer was no. We normally do bleep out curse words from guests, but occasionally I do call off the censors. The Scott McLuhan conversation was one of those occasions. I felt like him cursing added <laughs> to the interview. So uh, there you go. Email from Mike. On a certain someone in the USFL, writes Mike, it was great to hear you give a shout out to the other pro football team in Washington, D.C., the Defenders, who have several former skins slash Washington football team slash commanders players and coaches, including DJ Swearinger, Monte Nicholson, and Greg Williams. Let's hope that they take home the XFL title this Saturday. In the meantime, what do you make of a former Washington player making waves in the USFL? 
During USFL Week 3, I was surfing the channels and stopped on a USFL game. Imagine my surprise when I heard the announcers gushing about a kicker who the Pittsburgh Maulers had recently signed. He had his first game tied the USFL record for most field goals made in one game with a perfect 5 of 5 performance. That kicker, our very own Chris Blewett. Then, in the Maulers' next game, Blewett went 4 of 4 on field goals. He can't miss. Anyway, I just thought that it was kind of crazy that when Blewett was with us, he couldn't even kick the ball past the line of scrimmage. And now, all of a sudden, he's the hottest kicker in the USFL. Thought that you would get a kick out of this if you had not heard about his record-tying performance already. Who knows? Maybe he'll find his way back to the NFL. Thanks again for the great pod and take care. Well, thank you for that, Mike. Uh, How about that? Former Washington kicker Chris Blewett killing it in the USFL. Who could ever forget the tale of Chris Blewett with Washington? He was Washington's kicker for just a few weeks, October 20th, 2021, until November 9th. 2021. Uh, He lasted as Washington's kicker for a mere two games, during which he went just two of five on field goals, uh, with all three misses being blocked field goal attempts. Uh, Washington, remember, cut kicker Dustin Hopkins in favor of Chris Blewett. You know, Dustin Hopkins was a mediocre kicker for Washington over his six-plus seasons with the team. September 2015, to October 2021. It's not that Hopkins was terrible. It's that he was so-so. You could do better. But you also could do worse. And Washington, in going with Chris Blewett over Dustin Hopkins, did do worse than Hopkins. And never forget these aspects of Washington going with Blewett over Hopkins. Blewett had never kicked in an NFL regular season game. Blewett, in fact, had not kicked in a truly meaningful game since December 28, 2016, a 31-24 pit loss to Northwestern at Yankee Stadium in the Pinstripe Bowl, and blew it over his final two collegiate seasons, which were the 2015 and 2016 seasons a while ago, went just 25 of 40 on field goals. It's not like he was some exceptional collegiate kicker. And his name is Blewett, okay? Who wants a kicker whose name is the worst thing that a kicker can do? Blewett. You blew it! Yeah, like Adam Sandler said in the movie Billy Madison, you blew it. Uh, Washington blew it in going with Chris Blewett over Dustin Hopkins, although the team then replaced Blewett with Joey Sly, who overall has been pretty good for Washington. Well, if somebody blew it to where the person's negligence has harmed you or has harmed someone who you care about, always know that the great law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. By the way, a big congratulations to Chris Nace, who was recently named the 2023 Barry J. Nace Trial Lawyer of the Year. Uh, This by 
the D.C. Trial Lawyers Association. Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, Heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Naces represented corporate clients throughout the region. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. And don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. All right. So I, in the opening segment of the show, read a tweet regarding my conversation with former Redskins general manager Scott McLuhan on Monday show, episode 567. Among the many interesting things from Scott was him raving about the player who the Commanders took in the sixth round of the 2023 NFL Draft, Kentucky running back Chris Rodriguez Jr. Uh, Scott said that he had a second round grade on Rodriguez. Uh, Scott said that Rodriguez can be an every down back. Scott called Rodriguez a, quote, tough bastard, (laughs) end quote. Uh, We all know how it goes with running backs in the NFL, right? Good ones come from all over the place in NFL drafts. And so often what you expect an NFL team's running back situation to be for a season ends up being very different from what that running back situation ends up being. So while right now it certainly seems as if Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson are the commander's top two running backs, uh, we know that injury and circumstance and performance can change things quickly. By the way, we also know that the commander's new assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy likes Chris Rodriguez Jr. quite a bit. I'm very pleased to welcome back to the Al Galdi podcast right now, the radio voice of Kentucky football and also Kentucky basketball, Tom Leach, uh, for whom the 2022 season was his 25th season as the voice of Kentucky football. He also is the host of the Leach Report podcast. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Leach KY. Hey, Tom, how are you? Doing well. Well, there's a lot to like about Chris Rodriguez Jr. Uh, what would you say that the commanders are getting in him? Getting a guy that uh, doesn't get tackled for a loss very often, that's for sure. It's you know a different era in terms of the how running backs are valued, but this is a guy uh, back, in the, uh, back in the day, as the saying goes, uh, that uh, teams would have just uh, really relished getting him into their program because he's a guy that um, takes care of the ball that uh, gets the tough yards and that also in the open field uh, you know he's he's not uh, going to take everything to the house but you know he had I think he may have had more 70 plus yard runs at Kentucky than, than anybody else or he made a long time anyway so he, you know he can uh, not slow 
but his bread and butter is between the tackles and getting those tough yards. Probably a little better receiver than uh, than he was utilized for in Kentucky. Okay, so Chris Rodriguez Jr. is a capable pass catcher. I think so. You know, he, he wasn't really tested a lot in games because you know he was so good um, at what he did. Um, and then they had uh, another running back that uh, was a little better in that area. And um, the last couple of years had a quarterback that was maybe throwing him down the field more often than he was checking down to the running back. But um, you know, good hands. Um, but his you know his his forte is uh, getting those tough yards between the tackles. Yeah, so this punishing physical style of running that Chris Rodriguez Jr. employs, what jumps out to you when you think about that? I think back to when he first arrived, he was initially called by uh, some people on the team, maybe by some fans, Baby Benny, because he followed Benny Snell. and uh, He came uh, right at the end of Benny Snell's time at Kentucky, and he was that kind of punishing runner that uh, made a big impression early and, and got on the field and played as a freshman and uh, has gone on to a solid career with the Steelers. And uh, Chris had a lot of those same kind of qualities. And so he had, and Benny hit it off. And uh, he had, uh, I think, maybe in the second year, had put the ball on the ground a couple of times, kind of got in Coach Stoops' doghouse. But uh, once he got out of there, that uh, never seemed to happen much anymore. And you, you look back to the 19 season, I think, uh, when Kentucky lost quarterbacks and ended up having to shift Lynn Bowden, a wide receiver, into play quarterback. And they had just a tremendous offensive line, and yet everybody knew they were going to run the football almost every play with Lynn or with Chris. And so even as good as the line was, you know, they had to, to break a lot of tackles. And um, he, he was very, very good at that. And then last year, their their line wasn't up to Kentucky's normal standards, and so uh, he uh, was required to do more of that. But, you know, he uh, uh, never complained, certainly, and he uh, excelled at that. I think he took a lot of pride in it. And, um, you know, as a guy, I think back one def- defining play maybe was in the Outback Bowl win over Iowa at the uh, end of the 21 season. Uh, Kentucky did a, a great job of moving the ball down the field quickly to try to get the winning touchdown with passing the ball to Wondell Robinson, who's now with the Giants. But when they got down close, they uh, handed the ball off to Chris to try to get the winning touchdown. And there was a missed assignment, and uh, Iowa's got a great defense. One of their defensive ends came crashing in, and Chris, kind of like that great center fielder that erases a pitcher's mistake, he erased the mistake of the offensive lineman by just pulling away from the tackle and going in for the winning touchdown. And that's was, was typical of uh, Chris Rodriguez at his best. Wow, that's a great nugget. Uh, Chris Rodriguez Jr. in his college career totaled 3,644 rushing yards, third most in Kentucky history. Where do you view him among all-time running backs for Kentucky? You know, certainly probably top top five. Um, just got in Sonny Collins way back that – uh, played a little bit with the Falcons, uh, and he had uh, great speed. And uh, Mo Williams, Benny Snell, um, those guys uh, are in the the mix as in the discussion of the the best ever at Kentucky. Um, maybe Mark Higgs, uh, kind of George Adams that played for the Giants back in the eighties. But Chris is is in there somewhere in that uh, solidly in that top five discussion. I think. 
Uh, Chris Rodriguez Jr. in his college career also had a school record 20 games, each with at least 100 rushing yards. Uh, to the Commanders fan listening to this who wants to get excited about Rodriguez, uh, what were some of his best games for Kentucky? You know, uh, that play in the Outback Bowl, certainly. Um, the game where they just destroyed Louisville at the end of the 21 season, and that's, uh, you know, the offense, even though it uh, didn't do much of anything in the passing game, was clicking at an amazing level running the football, and they had a huge day that day. And I think Chris had one of those long 70-plus yard runs in that game, so you get a little bit of a feel for the fact that he's more than you know just a guy that's in short bursts. Uh, that uh, he's good in the open field as well. Um, that's another one that uh, that comes to mind right off the top of my head. I think with him, was, he was just very uh, consistent, and uh, that speaks to all those 100-yard rushing game performances that he had. Wasn't you know he didn't rack up his yards by getting 200 one week and you know 50 the next. It was a lot of very consistent production. We are discussing the commander's six-round pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, Kentucky running back Chris Rodriguez Jr. with the radio voice of Kentucky football and Kentucky basketball, Tom Leach. Uh, Rodriguez, in May 2022, arrested for DUI, careless driving, and no tail lamps. Uh, He ended up being suspended for the first four games of Kentucky's 2022 season uh, due to that arrest and also eligibility issues. Uh, What was the deal with the eligibility issues? Do you know? I don't think we we never ever got all the details. It was like a summer job, and um, I think the uh, claim was that he got paid for some hours that he didn't put in. Um, so uh, that that was uh, the, what the suspension at the beginning of last season was about. And so he, uh, you know, paid his time, uh, and uh, you know, didn't uh, try to. You know, blame anybody else. He, he took the punishment and then came back strong. Yeah, I mean, Chris Rodriguez Jr. was a two-time captain at Kentucky, so that would seem to speak to him not being a bad guy. No, that's, that's a great point. That speaks to how his teammates thought of him. I also wanted to bounce this off you. So the commanders reportedly have agreed on a deal with undrafted Kentucky punter Colin Goodfellow. Uh, Colin Goodfellow, as you know, uh, in Kentucky's 21-17 win at Missouri this past November 5th, pulled off one of the most amazing and clutch plays that you'll ever see a punter pull off. For those who are unfamiliar, uh, could you explain what happened? Yeah, Kentucky was trying to close out the game, and then uh, they had some issues with snapping and uh, special teams and uh, PATs and uh, really more in PATs than punts, but you know you're sitting, you're, you're a Kentucky fan thinking, okay, they're going to get out of here with a win as long as they don't screw this up. Well, they just about screwed it up. The, the ball now, unfortunately, the ball gets snapped directly over his head, and uh, as opposed to off the side, because that was significant because he stayed within the the tackle box, and that uh, uh, is what I, I believe was the main reason for the infraction that Missouri was penalized for that uh, enabled Kentucky to successfully run out the clock but you know he he knew the shot was coming and he stood in there took the shot and uh, tried to make the kick and uh, that led to the the penalty call that saved the game for Kentucky he was a guy that looked like he was going to be a, a career backup but went out put in the work every day got better and then when his fi- time finally came he performed at a much higher level than I think anyone expected, certainly fans and then maybe some of the coaches. And, uh, you know, that 
speaks to that improvement that he's getting a, a chance at the NFL after uh, you know being kind of buried there on the depth chart for a long time. And that happens with kickers sometimes. Somebody wins the job, and then uh, if it's working okay, the coach never makes a change. And even though the other guy might be improving, that's behind him. You don't ever get your chance. Well, he finally got his chance and made the most of it. Uh, this is the second time that we've spoken. Uh, the first was in May 2021 of Washington having taken Kentucky linebacker Jamin Davis with the number 19 overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft. Uh, we, of course, just had Kentucky quarterback Will Levis being regarded as one of the top quarterbacks in the 2023 draft, although he ended up not being taken until the second round and was taken by the Tennessee Titans. But, you know, with the caveat that Kentucky basketball is maybe the ultimate blue blood college sports program, it sure seems like Kentucky football is in a really good place. Oh, absolutely. And um, you're seeing um, Mark Stoops' program put guys into the league regularly. I've always said to, to fans, if you take a media guide and circle the, the guys that were drafted, those are the seasons that coincided with the best performances. Not, not a great shock. Uh, and so Mark Stoops has produced a regular uh, pattern of, of having guys drafted. They've had more guys drafted uh, than Kentucky had in a long, long time in the time that he's been here. And that's, you know, in this league, you don't, you can try to out scheme people and, you know, develop and all those things are important, but you still have to have, you know, guys that are talented. And so Kentucky's done a good job recruiting and developing guys like Jamin, uh, Josh Allen down at Jacksonville came in as an unheralded recruit, just like Jamin. And they've done a good job of, you know, finding those diamonds in the rough and then polishing them, polishing them up. Last one for you. The 2023 NFL Draft marked the 17th consecutive NFL Draft in which the SEC had the most players taken of any conference. Uh, the dominance of the SEC in college football really is incredible. Is there any reason to think that that dominance will end anytime soon? No, because they're adding Texas and Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, uh, no, it makes the coaches' jobs harder. But, um, you know, that's you know, you, when you sign on to one of these jobs, the money's good. That's great. But uh, also... It's a, a tremendous challenge, and uh, it takes you know NFL caliber talent to get into the top half of this league. All right, Tom Leach, the radio voice of Kentucky football and Kentucky basketball. Tom, thanks a lot. All the best. Happy to help out, and uh, hope things go well for Colin and Chris. Yeah, Chris Rodriguez Jr. for the 2022 season had the highest overall grade for Pro Football Focus among all SEC running backs, uh, an overall grade of 90.8. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. Who knows with Rodriguez as a six-round pick? The Skins in the 2014 draft took a running back in the sixth round, Lake Seastrunk. Uh, he ended up doing nothing for the team. Uh, but the Skins in the 2012 draft took a running back in the sixth round, Alfred Morris. He ended up having three consecutive 1,000-yard rushing regular seasons for the team, 2012 through 2014, including in his 2012 rookie season, setting a new franchise record for most rushing yards in a regular season, 1,613. You just never know with running backs. But we do know that Shady Rays, for listeners of this podcast, is offering a great deal 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses at ShadyRays.com. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the promo code ALGALDI. Shady Rays sunglasses, they look good. 
they feel good. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that is affordable and durable with clear optics for whatever you're doing outside. And Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses, no questions asked. You can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. And Shady Rays is offering this great deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Yes, 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Uh, if you don't love them, you can exchange them for sunglasses that you do love, or you can return your sunglasses for a full refund within 30 days. You see, there is no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Shady Rays always has your back. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you have been thinking about getting new sunglasses, now is the time, and Shady Rays is the way. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. That's ShadyRays.com and use that promo code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Uh, also, Shady Rays has done some great work, has donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Shady Rays, look good and feel good. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, the Nationals got cooled off late night on Tuesday night. A 4-1 loss at the San Francisco Giants in Game 2 of a three-game series. This was just the Nats' third loss in eight games. Uh, the Nats now are 15-21. and 21. The Nats' hitting can be good, uh, but it overall is a problem, uh, especially from a standpoint of hitting for power. And the lack of power was very much on display on Tuesday night. The Nats in this game had 10 hits and yet scored one run. Uh, 10 hits. One double and nine singles, uh, and the Nats drew just two walks, and the Nats went just one for 12 with runners in scoring position, although the Giants only went two for 12 
uh, with runners in scoring position. Uh, the Giants starting pitcher, Logan Webb, he's having a good season. Uh, he on Tuesday night, one run in seven innings, seven strikeouts. Nats had a hard time against Logan Webb. Uh, six of the Nats, 10 hits, did come from just two guys, uh, Dominic Smith and Alex Call. Uh, Dominic Smith, as an at starting first baseman and number six batter, got on base four times. Uh, he went three for three with an RBI single, two other singles, and a walk. Uh, Smith in the top of the second, a leadoff opposite field single through the left side of the infield, despite having been down in the count at 1.02. Smith in the top of the fourth, the first pitch leadoff single up the middle. Uh, Smith in an at one run sixth, a one out opposite field RBI single to left field to cut the Nats deficit to 3-1, and Smith in the top of the eighth drew a two-out walk. Uh, Dominic Smith now, in this month of May, a batting average of 407 and an on-base percentage of 515. Uh, those numbers are outstanding. He still is not hitting for anywhere close to the kind of power that you want from your number one first baseman, but uh, he is getting on base a bunch right now. Uh, Alex Cole, he is an ad starting center fielder and number seven batter, three for four with three singles. So Cole in the top of the second had a first pitch bunt single toward third base that led to a throwing error by Giants third baseman J.D. Davis. Cole in the top of the sixth, a one-out single to center field on a one-two pitch and Cole in the top of the eighth had a two-out single. Uh, the Nats' lone extra base hit on Tuesday night came from Joey Manessis. Uh, he is the Nats' starting DH and number four batter, one for four with a double. Uh, he and that Nats' one-run six, a leadoff double, uh, past the glove of Giants third baseman J.D. Davis and down the left field line. Uh, but multiple Nats had bad games on Tuesday night. C.J. Abrams, uh, he is an ad starting shortstop and number eight batter, 0 for 4 with two strikeouts, a throwing error, and at least one other questionable defensive play. Uh, Abrams in the Giants, one run first, a throwing error. Uh, he on a leadoff grounder by Austin Slater, made a backhanded catch deep in the hole, but then made a one-hop throw on which first baseman Dominic Smith failed to make a backhanded catch. Uh, and Abrams in the bottom of the second, a terrible throw on a two-out grounder up the middle by Brett Wisely. Uh, Wisely was given an infield single. This was a strange play. The ball went off the second base bag uh, in route to Abrams behind the bag, but Abrams ended up making another bad throw on that play. He overall has been good defensively, but uh, he was not good on Tuesday night. Jamer Candelario on Tuesday night as an ad starting third baseman and number five batter 0 for 4 for a second consecutive game and his second game back from a two-game absence caused by dehydration. Uh, also, we had the Major League regular season debut of Jake Alou. Uh, he, on Tuesday night, was an ad-starting left fielder and number nine batter, but uh, he went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Not a banner debut for Mr. Alou. Uh, the Nats on Monday recalled Jake Alou from AAA Rochester. Uh, this is the corresponding roster move uh, to placing center fielder Victor Robles on the 10-day injured list, retroactive to Sunday uh, with back spasms. Uh, the Nats took Jake Alou in the 24th round of the 2019 MLB draft out of Boston College. He on Tuesday night became the lowest drafted position player to make his major league regular season debut with the Nats since the franchise moved to Washington, D.C. in the 2004-2005 offseason. I mean, that is a pretty cool story. A 24th round draft choice making it 
to the majors. Uh, Jake Alou is listed as an infielder, but he is part of what appears to be a rotation in left field uh, while Victor Robles is on the 10-day IL because Alex Call has been shifted from left field uh, to center field. And uh, Call, it looks like, is going to be the every game center fielder uh, while Robles is on the 10-day IL. Uh, Jake Alou did have a good season last season. Uh, he, in the 2022 season, over 567 plate appearances for AA Harrisburg and AAA Rochester had an OPS of 871. Uh, not having a good season last season, of course, was starting pitcher Patrick Corbin. Uh, each of his last three seasons, in fact, has been bad, with each season being worse than the previous season. However, Patrick Corbin has been uh, all right lately, okay? I mean, we're not going to say he has been good, okay? But he has been all right. And he and this 4-1 loss at the Giants on Tuesday night technically had a quality start for the fourth time in five starts. Uh, a quality start is defined as a start in which a pitcher allows no more than three earned runs in no fewer than six innings. Now, three earned runs in six innings works out to an ERA of 450. Uh, there's nothing quality about that, but for Patrick Corbin these days, uh, that actually is quality. Patrick Corbin in the 2020 season was bad. Patrick Corbin in the 2021 season was awful. And Patrick Corbin in the 2022 season was horrendous. Again, progressively worse. His ERAs for the last three regular seasons, 2020, 466, 2021, 582, 2022, 631. So for Patrick Corbin now to have authored four of his last five starts as quality starts, that's not nothing, okay? That is progress for Patrick Corbin. And Corbin on Tuesday night, three runs, two earned, in six innings, uh, he gave up eight hits, a home run, a double, and six singles. He issued no walks, uh, although he did issue a wild pitch. Uh, he had three strikeouts. He threw a lot of strikes, 96 pitches, 66 strikes versus 30 balls. Uh, Corbin in the bottom of the first allowed two runs, only one of which was earned. Uh, the runs came on a throwing error by shortstop C.J. Abrams, an opposite field single by Tyro Estrada to right field, and a two-run opposite field double by Mitch Hanniger to the right center field gap for a 2-0 Giants lead. And then Corbin in the bottom of the fourth allowed a run on a one-out first pitch solo homer by Casey Schmidt to left center field for a 3-0 Giants lead. And this was uh, quite the shot by Casey Schmidt. Uh, the homer winner projected 420 feet for StatCast. Uh, but also with Patrick Corbin in this game, he in the bottom of the fifth took a comebacker off his left arm and head uh, for a two-out infield single by Mitch Hanniger. Scary moment, but uh, Corbin did stay in the game. This was Nats manager Davey Martinez during his postgame session with reporters early Wednesday morning on Patrick Corbin. The ball kind of hit him in the forearm first and then glazed his, his head, you know, so we wanted to make sure he was okay, checked him out. He, he said it felt fine. He, he went out there and, and, and actually, you know, threw the ball well. So um, we'll, we'll check on him again. I know he got checked on when he came out. Um, I'll see how he's doing tomorrow. But, um, you know, so luckily, um, like I said, he was able to deflect it with his arm. What did you make of the way that he performed overall throughout the the, the, the six days after after that, what happened there? Yeah, you know, the first inning, you know, he settled down after that, and uh, he threw the ball really well. 
Yeah, look, the bar with Patrick Corbin has been lowered big time. This season is his age 33 season and the fifth season of a six-year, $140 million contract uh, that the Nats signed him to as a free agent all the way back in December 2018. He, of course, was very good in the Nats' 2019 World Series championship season. He then was quite bad in each of the next three seasons. Maybe possibly, hopefully, he is better this season, but long way to go. And, you know, his stats for this regular season still are not good. Eight starts, ERA of 487, a whip of 142. Uh, The Nats bullpen on Tuesday night, two relievers combined to allow one run in two innings. The biggest item was this. Mason Thompson struggled again. Uh, Bottom of the seventh, he allowed a run, marking a fourth time in five appearances that he has allowed at least one run. Uh, Thompson had been doing really well. Uh, Not no more. He looks really off right now. Uh, Thompson on Tuesday night issued a leadoff seven-pitch walk of Michael Conforto, despite him having been down in the count at 1.02. Then came a really weird play, a steal of second base by Tyro Estrada. Estrada had reached first base via a fielder's choice. And what happened on the steal was Thompson stepped off the rubber, seemed to have Estrada dead to rights at second base, but Thompson then didn't throw the baseball. He seemingly locked up and just didn't throw the ball. Uh, And then Thompson gave up a two-out first pitch RBI single by J.D. Davis to left field for a 4-1 Giants lead. And then Thompson issued a two-out walk of Wilmer Flores. Uh, Hobie Harris did toss a scoreless bottom of the eighth. Game three for the Nats at the Giants is on Wednesday afternoon at 345. Josiah Gray will be the Nats starting pitcher. Well, things had gone so well for the Orioles so far this season that their ongoing three-game losing streak was their longest losing streak of this regular season. Uh, And that three-game losing streak now is over. Uh, Tuesday evening, a 4-2 win over the major league-leading Tampa Bay Rays at Oriole Park at Camden Yards in Game 2 of a big three-game series as the O's, Joe Angel, were back in the win column. And the Orioles again in the win column. That is correct, Joe. Uh, The win column. Uh, The O's continue to have the second best record in the American League. Uh, That record now is 23-13. Now, we on Tuesday evening did have another very disappointing crowd at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Announced attendance of just 10,017. Uh, this off Monday evening's Game 1 of the series, the 3-0 Orioles loss, having an announced attendance of just 12,669. I, on Tuesday's show, Episode 568, talked about the Orioles' attendance problem. That problem really is standing out in a series like this one, right? A battle of the top two teams in the American League. And, you know, what's funny is that neither team draws well. The Rays have had a home attendance problem for years. But if you're an O's fan, uh, what you loved about this win on Tuesday evening as much as the what was the who. Leading the way for the O's were catcher Adley Rutschman and starting pitcher Grayson Rodriguez, two ultra-promising young players. Uh, Rutschman, the number one overall pick in the 2019 MLB draft. Rodriguez, the number 11 overall pick in the 2018 MLB draft. Uh, Rutschman had been slumping, but he on Tuesday evening smashed a great home run. He is the Orioles starting catcher and number two batter 
went one for three with a two-run homer and a walk. Rutschman in an Orioles three-run third, a two-out, two-run home run on a bomb <laughs> to right field. Uh, the ball landed on Utah Street. The homer per stat cast went a projected 407 feet and had an exit velocity of 111.1 miles per hour, making the homer the hardest hit batted ball of Adley Rutschman's Major League regular season career. Uh, also, the homer snapped an 0 for 19 slump for Rutschman. Uh, his numbers for this regular season have calmed down, but he does still have an OPS of 823. By the way, O's executive vice president and general manager Mike Elias, he on Tuesday afternoon spoke to reporters for more than 18 minutes. He addressed the potential for the O's to sign Adley Rutschman to a contract extension uh, that buys out his arbitration seasons and also some free agency seasons. Now, uh, Elias danced around the topic, but uh, it was notable that Elias did get asked about this. He got asked about, generally speaking, are you interested in signing young stars like Adley Rutschman to contract extensions? Uh, This is what Elias said. Look, I've answered this a few times. Um, it, it, it may not be a real satisfying answer, but it's a very honest answer. I don't want to be out talking about it. I think, you know, these things are best if they're not um, public. Sometimes that happens. And um, if it does, you know, we'll deal with it then. But I don't see any interest um, in my behalf as a negotiator or someone who does business with these agents over and over throughout my career for them to have the expectancy that something might get out in the news from me. Um, so I would just say that our um, we've got a lot of uh, people um, in our front office with a lot of business experience, experience with major league contracts, economics, um, and they're all uh, working on ways to keep our organization healthy all the time, and that absolutely includes looking at augmenting the contracts of young players that we have. But in terms of like what's happening right now, I'm just not going to get into it. And we're in the middle of the season too, and um, that you know that's that's the worst time probably to um, talk about um, things that we're looking at in a public way. Yeah, so Adley Rutschman is under team control through the 2027 season. Uh, We do have a ways to go until he's a free agent, but no doubt signing him to one of these long-term contract extensions that buys out his arbitration seasons and also some free agency seasons uh, would be wonderful. Uh, Would cost a lot of money, (laughs) uh, but would be great. Uh, The question is ownership. The question is the Angelos family. Uh, Who knows for how much longer the Angelos family will own the O's, but if it does own the team for a while longer, will the Angelos family allow Mike Elias to be aggressive in trying to sign Adley Rutschman to a long-term contract extension? That's a big question, because to sign a guy like Rutschman to a long-term contract extension, you need to be aggressive. You need to overwhelm him with an offer. You need to make him a godfather offer, an offer that he can't refuse. The O's were asleep at the wheel in trying to sign third baseman slash shortstop Manny Machado to a contract extension years ago. Uh, The O's cannot make the same mistake with Adley Rutschman. Uh, As for Grayson Rodriguez, the man known as Grayrod, he on Tuesday evening in this 4-2 win over the Rays was solid 
Uh, two runs in five and two-thirds innings. He gave up seven hits, two home runs, and five singles. He issued two walks. He recorded four strikeouts. He threw 101 pitches, 59 strikes versus 42 balls. Uh, this was O's manager, Brandon Hyde, during his post-game press conference on Tuesday night on Grayson Rodriguez. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with O's insider Rich Dubroff of BaltimoreBaseball.com. That was his best start for me. Um, you know, he I thought he really competed well. Uh, you know, gave up you know the the homer there early, but then uh, fastball had really good life throughout today, and uh, thought the secondary was was good. Um, it was nice to see him get you know into the sixth inning. Hope, was hoping he was going to finish that inning, but but uh, yeah, really gave us a chance to win and and competed outstanding. You know, for a long time, fans have wanted to see Rodriguez and, and Rutschman. And here, it was his first win here, and Rutschman hits a, a big home run. How appropriate is that? I'd like to see a lot more of that. I think everybody, all the fans would. But, yeah, two really young, up-and-coming, really good players. And, and uh, they're going to be fun to watch going forward in the future. Yeah, Grayson Rodriguez on Tuesday evening was not great. He wasn't dominant, but he was solid. He certainly was a lot better than he was in his last start. 13-10 win at the Kansas City Royals last Thursday afternoon. Rodriguez in that game, six runs in three and two-thirds innings. Uh, The Orioles' bullpen on Tuesday evening came through, although it wasn't exactly easy. Uh, Mike Bauman, Yadir Cano, and Felix Batista combined for three and a third scoreless innings, although Bauman was not good. He faced three batters. He got just one out, issued two walks and a wild pitch. Uh, Cano was good, one and two-thirds scoreless innings with two strikeouts. Batista did get a four-out save, one and a third scoreless innings, but he issued three walks and a wild pitch. Uh, also with the O's on Tuesday, a flurry of roster moves. Uh, the O's on Tuesday afternoon made a bunch of roster moves, including placing infielder Ramona Rios on the 10-day injured list with a left hamstring strain and optioning struggling reliever Keegan Aiken to AAA Norfolk. Uh, Arias going on the 10-day IL should mean more consistent starts for Gunnar Henderson at third base. Uh, Gunnar Henderson, per MLB Pipeline, is no longer considered a prospect, but he had been the number one prospect in baseball per MLB Pipeline. He has struggled so far this season, but on Tuesday evening, as the Orioles starting third baseman and number seven batter went one for three with a triple. Uh, He and that Orioles three-run third had a leadoff triple. His slugging percentage for this regular season is just 326, although he does have an on-base percentage of 339, uh, which is pretty good. Game three for the O's against the Rays is on Wednesday evening at 635. Dean Kramer will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 570. We'll provide you with more on the commanders. Also, I will talk nationals and Orioles. And that's on Wednesday afternoon at 345 of game three of a three-game series at the San Francisco Giants. The O's on Wednesday evening at 635 have game three of a three-game series against the major league leading Tampa Bay Rays at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. You blew it! 
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.